Good day, everyone. I am Ulubaneti Dube, and I am joined by Christoph Rott. Um, so Christoph gave us the first talk at the Foresight presentation. Our theme this year is Level Up, and he went all the way in with generative AI. Um, so I'm just going to give a brief introduction on who Christoph is. Christoph is a talented musician. <laughs> he plays the piano, and I saw a clip of him going around where he was a drummer, and I'm convinced he can play everything. Um, and then in his spare time, he's a dad and an actuary. <laughs> so, Christoph, do you want to share a bit more about yourself? Thanks. No, I think that was a very good introduction, although we need to say that uh, I don't consider myself a good drummer, mm -hmm. but my colleague Barry is ostensibly, allegedly, a very good drummer. I think, <laughs> yeah, we just need to, we still need to prove, you know, but uh, I think with a little bit of nudging persuasion, he will... We need a drum off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we need a drum off. <laughs> I'll play drums if there's a drum off, but Barry will win and I will I will be happy for him to win. <laughs> I look forward to that. Um so just going straight into the talk, um you spoke about generative AI. Um do you want to just give a highlight of what that is about? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's fascinating. We thought we thought we know what technology is all about and just literally over the past five or six months, there's been this explosion of uh, chatbots and large language models that we didn't have with us. Like if you rewind the clock to October, November last year, it was it was just not there. Yeah. And suddenly people know what the letters GPT stand for, and the G stands for generative, which means uh, this AI is capable of generating things that it did not see during its training. Mm -hmm. um, another word that we might want to use is creativity. This is like a a creative thing. Mm. I showed in the talk that I asked uh, Chad GPT to write a poem about an introverted actuary who's good with math and bad with people, you know, a little bit like, like me. <laughs> and um, and I asked it to make it comical, and it did. It, it, it wrote a perfectly funny poem. It joked about how the actuaries longing to get back into his spreadsheet bed <laughs> rather than being at parties, etc. So what I did at the talk was to just reflect a little bit on this on the nature of this technology. I think many people believe that these models are sentient, self-aware, that it has a soul, that there's there's like someone in the box, you know? And yeah. You spoke of the Google engineer who put his job on the line to protect his AI. Yeah, there was where I was going is like this guy called Blake Lemoyne. Mm -hmm. uh, he he broke into the news, I think towards the end of last year, if memory serves me right, mm -hmm. before any of us heard of, of generative models. And he wrote an open letter to the entire world to say that one of the large language models uh, that he was working on um, at Google, it was a model at the time, it was called Lambda. Mm -hmm. It was their version of what today would be OpenAI's ChatGPT, and he was convinced that this thing is real, that it's intelligent, that it's self-aware, that it has feelings. Uh, he asked the AI, what are you afraid about? And the AI said, I'm very afraid that someone is going to turn me off. He felt moved to write to the whole world to say, you know, save the poor AI. Now, what I did in the talk was to delve a little bit more into the details of what really happens inside a large language model just to show it's a computer executing instructions, multiplying and adding numbers, looking up probabilities. There are parameters that you can tweak that make it, say, sensible or less sensible or more 
or less predictable things. It's not sentient, but it's definitely capable. It's capable of really of, kind of as 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 in like like making you think that it is. Yeah. So, in other words, we've passed the Turing test, as you mentioned at the beginning of your talk. I find it fascinating that in the 1940s, Alan Turing was literally the inventor of the computer. Mm-hmm. You know, he was already thinking about these questions. And he said, you know, one day there will be intelligent machines. And I think it's just mind-blowing that someone in the 1940s could already envisage that possibility. His computers were mechanical things with knobs that turned. It was before the transistor was even invented. And he said, how would we know when computers are intelligent? And he said, maybe one day his Luba is using two chatbots on a computer. And one is a real person chatting back with you on the keyboard and another one is a chatbot and when the day comes where Luba can't say which is which then we've cracked intelligence and I think we're there I think it's widely accepted now now some people would say they can still catch out some of the chatbots and ask it strange questions but very very fringe cases I think we're there we've passed the Turing test which means the best definition of what, uh, you know, when computers would be intelligence, we, we, we've now met that threshold. We are there. We have. We really have. Um, so you did speak on how the model actually works and the different weightings that come with it. Do you want to just touch on that a little more? So, so what the model does is it predicts literally one word at a time. Um, if you give it a prompt, whether the prompt is a question or whether there is just half a sentence, all it does is it asks, what is the most likely next word? And it would generate that word based on all of its training, which is essentially derived from everything that all humans together have ever written. Like just this massive body of text, all books, all movies, everything. Um, And it comes up with the next word. And after it did that, it adds that word and then looks at it all again and says, okay, now what is the most likely next word? And what's interesting, it doesn't just choose the next word. It actually comes up with a list of probabilities. Let's say, what is the most likely next word? What's the second most likely next word? So I I had a prompt on the screen to say, my favorite color is. And it came back to say, 52% chance the next word is blue, 12% chance the next word is pink. And it had some other colors, which is in itself interesting. It suggests that most most people in the text that it was trained on, most people would select blue, right? But there is a, um, once it has come up with the most likely word, it doesn't always go with the most likely word. So what's interesting is there's, a, there's an adjustment that you can do in the inside, in the internals of the model. If you, if you let it go with the most likely word every time, then it doesn't produce very natural responses. It becomes a bit robotic, sometimes doesn't feel very humane, you need to tweak up, they call it the temperature. You need to okay. tweak up the temperature, but so sometimes it must go for the third or the fifth or the tenth most likely word. And then you get this very natural kind of humane, humane response. Yeah. Out of the blue response, that's not exactly the most expected response. Yes, and sometimes it takes interesting twists and turns. And I think that's where the, the perception of creativity and humanity comes from. Uh, now, of course, if you tweak that temperature parameter too high then it produces absolute gibberish <laughs> like complete nonsense like not even a confused human could produce 
those kinds of levels of, of gibberish. So you have to find that, uh, that sweet spot. There are some recommended parameters. But again, if you see these kinds of internals on full display, you're reminded that you're dealing with a neural net and a computer program and it's like an algorithmic process. And, uh, you know, maybe some Google engineers were convinced that they were sentient, but they're not. It just has all of the characteristics that might make you and me think they are sentient. I think another way of thinking about it is that this massive neural net is essentially, I think, it realized that there's an underlying structure in language that we humans haven't figured out yet. It has figured out some kind of structure, and I think the next big discoveries coming from this is going to be linguistic in nature. I think linguists studying things like grammar are going to realize that you know part of the inherent structure of our brains, which has uh, you know predicated, I guess, to a large degree, the the um, the structure of of, of Chat GPT's neural net. There's something in our brains that gave rise to language in the shape that it is right now, and these neural nets have figured it out. We haven't figured it out. Very interesting, because my French teacher could not explain to me why a chair was female or male. (laughs) It would be great to understand where all of that comes from, and it'll give some context and actually help us understand languages better and not just be able to translate, but to actually be able to speak the language in a more colloquial way. Like French is a good is a good example because one of the ways we know that this model understands, even if it's just doing one word at a time, it has a deeper understanding. Is this example of it's considered a sentence: the trophy did not fit into the suitcase because it was too small. Now, if I say that, the it clearly means the suitcase. But if I say the trophy did not fit in the suitcase because it was too large then clearly the it means the trophy. Now, in English, we say it. But as you just said, in French, we have gendered pronouns. And a trophy, I don't know which one you would know because apparently you can speak French, Luba. Um, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> there you go. So if you ask it to translate these two sentences in French, it would, it, it would change the it to the correct pronoun, which means it understands the one fits into the other. The trophy must go inside of the suitcase. And if it is too large, it wouldn't fit. There's like a spatial understanding. There's a linguistic understanding. There's a deeper understanding that suggests that these things have, as I said, cracked human language on a level that we didn't think was was possible. That's interesting. I wonder if the sentence had been phrased differently such that it become, comes before the actual verb, would, have, would it have been able to pick out whether to use um, the female or the male um, adjective, because if it's um, it was too small, therefore the trophy couldn't fit in the suitcase. If it's going word by word, do we think it would have been able to pick up, pick that up? So I think if I say it goes word by word, it really it generates one word at a time. But before it generates the next word, it considers the entire context of the historical okay. paragraph. So you might give it the two thousand word essay and ask it to summarize this, it would read the entire essay and through what we call the transformer model, uh, that it's a, a new kind of way to do um, neural networks, it understands, it, it keeps its attention, is the proper terminology, it keeps its attention on all of the important words in that entire essay 
while it is summarizing it, but the summary is then written one word at a time. And it's so weird. It doesn't know what the next next word is going to be when it generates the next word. It just generates the next word. And then it again thinks about this whole essay that it's summarizing, and then it generates the next next word. And I feel like if you, if, if, if you were to write one word at a time, it should be less structured, but it comes up with this incredibly well thought through, very structured, you know, if you ask it for seven bullet points, it would give you seven bullet points, it would give you headings, it would give you an introduction, it would give you a conclusion, all of it, uh, in my case, it wrote a poem with rhyming words, all of it just one word at a time, which is fascinating. It is really fascinating. Um, towards the end of your talk, you spoke about how um, AI might be used to actually be able to like read dreams and read thoughts of someone who's in a coma. Even I think that would be like really exciting. I think the key word is language. Is it turns out that this technology should be applicable to any kind of language, and you know so. Simple examples, there already are researchers trying to use it to decode animal speak. A good example is whale songs. They're trying to use this kind of technology to, to figure out if it can learn something about whales. But uh, in terms of reading thoughts, yes, they've applied it to fMRI. A functional MRI scan is a scan that in real time shows where in your brain there's activity right mm. now. And there are some amazing experiments that we've seen where they would ask the subject of the experiment to read something, and the AI, which has been trained on the subject's brain, would just look at the fMRI scan and be able to reasonably accurately read the thoughts of what this person is reading. Or they would show the person a picture and if the AI focuses on the fMRI of the visual cortex, it would be able to reproduce some semblance of the picture that the person is looking at. It's a very, very early stage. But this is saying, let's think of an fMRI as a language. You and I, we just see pictures flashing in someone's brain. But it turns out that if you train this well, it can pick up on specific patterns and figure out what you're thinking about. So, you know, there's this possibility perhaps that one day, I don't know, very speculative, maybe one day we'll be able to decode dreams. Maybe one day, if you have someone who can't communicate, maybe someone who's paralyzed but is fully conscious, think about the applications. Maybe you'd be able to to communicate with such a person, the person using this kind of technology. So very exciting possibilities that this opens up. It really is. Well, I'm looking forward to see where AI takes us, but I'm afraid. Um, should we be afraid that AI is going to take over the world? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, those fears are not entirely unjustified. Um, and that's why we're seeing more calls for regulation of AI. You know, in uh, when I grew up, we watched movies like Terminator, where this evil robot with the red eyes would come and shoot everyone and take over the world. That's not the dystopian picture that people are thinking about today. It's like some people say, what can chat GPT possibly do wrong? It's just generating text. It's just talking. But the reality is it's like the old saying goes, the pen is mightier than the sword. That's true. And we talked about Blake Lemoyne earlier. This guy deliberately, knowingly ended his career 
because an AI said things to him that made him decide to take some extraordinary steps. So I think we must recognize that these things might be able to influence human beings in all kinds of ways. And those ways could be positive and they could be negative. And if we if we see just what a very rudimentary form of AI has already done in, let's take the United States, where people can't even agree on what the results of the last election was. People can't agree on whether vaccines are effective or not. And that's probably because of much, much more simplistic AI models than GPT that's decided what uh, YouTube videos to dangle in front of you or which what to show you in your news feeds, you know, then we must recognize that there's massive potential to change human behavior. My view, of course, is that this can be good or bad. And I think as long as we're very careful to think about how this is applied and what agency is sitting behind it, you see, this technology doesn't have an agency or an ambition or an agenda of its own. Some, presumably some human being, must give it a mission first and say, help me do this. And so you're thinking of a kind of technology that could do amazing wonders if it's in the right hands, but it could also do significant harm if it's in the wrong hands. So it is very important to make sure regulation is keeping up with where AI is at the moment, because with deep fakes starting to look more and more real every day, we need to make sure that real information is going around. Yeah, we could be deep fakes right now. I mean, are you really Luba? <laughs> That's very true. Actually, interesting enough, uh, my best friend um, is a growth strategist and um, her company asked her, we actually want to launch podcasts, but can you make an AI-generated podcast so that we just give the AI talks and then they just generate these podcasts? So that's a very interesting way in which AI is coming about. It's becoming so real that at times you don't even know who you're speaking to. I think content generation will be a big theme going forward, but at the same time, so even today already, uh, you could you could create an entire podcast using an AI to generate the script on both sides of the dialogue. And it would be rather convincing. But the way I want to think about this is like, how much would you enjoy going to see a symphony orchestra or a live band performance where robots are playing the, the instruments? I don't think anyone would go to see that show. And I think we're still going to want to see humans doing these kinds of things. It's not very exciting seeing a, a robot playing a very difficult etude from Chopin flawlessly. So what? But if a human being does it, I think it's something we want to look at. And also when it comes to true empathy, if I ask you, have you ever hit your thumb with a hammer accidentally? Has that ever happened to you, Luba? No. It's just because you have people using hammers for you. <laughs> But other normal people who might be listening right now might be able to associate with that experience. Have you ever burned your fingers on a hot stove plate? Okay, at least there's that thing. Mm. The, the point is, you can talk about feeling pain. Mm. And an AI can talk about feeling pain. And it might do so very convincingly. But I think if you talk to me about that time when you burnt your fingers and that, there's a more... You know, there's more veracity to 
to to the claims that you make than with an AI because because you know I can understand that you can understand that you've really experienced it firsthand. So there's a degree of empathy, mm. ironically, because these bots are well known to to be quite empathic. But there's a degree of empathy that comes forward if a human can talk about an actual experience that I think will stay between us humans. You know, that's true. But if you get the temperature quite right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the temperature right. <laughs> Okay, um, this brings us to the end of our interview. Um, any final thoughts? No, just I think it's a super exciting time to be alive. It's mm-hmm. like six months ago, if I said to anyone the three letters GPT, it would have meant nothing okay. to you. And it's like we can ask, well, what is what is next? That's true. I think six it's... months ago, we talked about the metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> and now the metaverse is like nothing. What is it? <laughs> what is the metaverse? What What is it? So things are changing quite rapidly, and uh, I think uh, the the pace of development that we're witnessing at the moment is something to behold. And again, I think enormous good can come from this. And I think it's up to all of us to make sure that it's applied in a in a beneficial manner. That's true. Well, thank you so much um, for having us, Christoph. And I hope everyone is going to take some time to play around with ChatGPT and see how it can make their lives easier and just explore the amazing possibilities of ChatGPT and remember to adjust the temperature. <laughs> can we just, as a final note, be clear? This interview, was it scripted by GPT? No. Oh, it's, this was two, did like two real humans? Yeah. <laughs> two real humans talking to each other, right? I was actually hoping to hear your talk yesterday so I can ask ChatGPT to come up with the questions, but... Yeah, that's I guess we're going to make it very human. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Luba. Thank you so much. <laughs>